0: What does it really mean to say that queerness is magic? I think that there is something about the divine, the otherworldly, and not just something sort of ineffable, but something that is very imminent and human and flesh and
1: blood. Welcome to Queering Contemplation, a podcast about the intimate and innate ways contemplation is queer. These conversations will examine the ways contemplative life invites us into expressions beyond boxes and categories moving us towards love, embodiment, liberation, delight, and wonder. I'm your host, Cassidy Hall, award-winning filmmaker, podcaster, and author of the forthcoming book, Queering Contemplation, finding queerness in the roots and future of contemplative spirituality. Welcome to the conversation. The Reverend Mihi Kim Court is a Presbyterian minister, agitator, speaker, and writer. Her writing and commentary can be found in the New York Times, BBC, USA Today, The Christian Century, and on being. She is the author of the book Outside the Lines, How Embracing Queerness Will Transform Your Faith. She co-pastors with her spouse at First Presbyterian Church in Annapolis, Maryland, and is a doctoral candidate in religious studies at Indiana University. First of all, thank you for joining and your work has been such an inspiration. I remember when you came to CTS to speak and just how how profound that was for me. So, thank you for for being willing to continually share your voice.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh, I um, almost forgot about that. That feels like again like it's like BCE and CE before, you know, like what <laughs> what, what did I even do before <laughs> before the pandemic, yeah. before we moved here? Well, let's dive
1: in. Of your work that I'm most familiar with relates, you know, specifically to your book, Outside the Lines, How Embracing Queerness Will Transform Your Faith. And so I'd love to begin by just asking you how you define and experience the word queer in your own life, in your spirituality, and maybe also your work.
0: Yeah, that's great. I feel like I haven't really returned to the book in a while. And books are funny things, right? You know, they kind of take on a life of their own when you go through the sort of process you know and all the angst and and all the glory of writing (laughs) something um and you get to the end of it it's it's this sort of sort of strange mourning period where you almost don't know what to do with the book and and um it it kind of takes on a life of its own and, and sometimes you have this kind of antagonistic relationship with it or that was just for me at least you know there were some things that I wish I had more time to sit with and and to articulate Um, and there were some things that I go back to and I'm like oh yeah I still really feel that and believe that and um, other things where I'm just flat out like what was I doing and what was I thinking about in that moment but I think that in general it feels like Queerness continues to be, you know, one of the one of the sort of interesting aspects of my life, still really important and significant and informative and, and instructive. Um, and then sometimes I feel like, you know, it's like a spiritual practice or something, some sort of discipline that I've I've sort of let fall by the wayside in some ways, like another one of those you know like a friendship that i've I just haven't had enough time with in the last um you know two, three years or so, but so in the book, I try to you know put some boundaries around queerness as 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 sort of even though that feels very contradictory, you know, sort of <laughs> um you know a bit of a paradox, you know, but for me, it was a way to. Um, be intentional about incorporating it into my life and making space for it to emerge, um, you know, more visibly, more dynamically in my life. And so queerness, you know, I, I talked about it being a practice, um, talked about it being, um, playfulness, you know, sort of kind of posture and, um, way of looking at the world. Um, I talked about it, um, being in terms of something that guides, um, my ethic and, um, you know, gives me sort of a way of, um, understanding my relationships with people in the world. Um, and, and, and something that I hope like helped me to cultivate, um, sort of sensitivity and compassion, a certain kind of hospitality and solidarity. And I talk about that a lot in the book as well. Um, and less about this sort of, you know, boxed in identity, um, something that you know, you just kind of check off, like on a governmental form or something. And I guess in the last even few years, as more and more people, I feel like have come out, you know, as queer and have been more vocal about it, I've really appreciated, especially a couple of folks on Instagram who are um, Asian American women. And um, you know, they come from different backgrounds in terms of their fields. Um, I think one is a psychologist. And um, she in particular, I felt like has given me some really good language just for for kind of going back through my own history and realizing um one, like as an immigrant kid, you know, we just didn't have the language or even the possibility to even imagine that queerness would be an option. So when I when I read things like that and and then and, and sort of realize how true that is for my own life, I just feel super grateful. Grateful that this is um this is who I am and that this is uh that there's space for me to be this way and um and that I have people in my life who have received me in this way as well and that there are there continue to be so many different variations and iterations and possibilities of what it looks like and means to be queer and so i continue to see this as like a continue like it's just a process like a just an evolution in some ways
1: yeah and and what led you to writing the book in the first place what was kind of the the impetus that that brought you to pen to paper
0: you know at the time we let's see had moved to bloomington um, I had stepped down from, you know, being a full-time pastor, sort of having my own sort of trajectory and path and career because we had children. So the twins were born in 2010. We moved to Bloomington in no, wait, no, oh my gosh, well, <laughs> um, the twins were born in 2011 <laughs> and we moved like two months after they were born. And I suddenly had this kind of you know, sort of world shattering season I was in, not just with, um, you know, being a, a new mother, but suddenly I didn't have my vocation and sort of a clear sense of what am I doing and why, why, why are we doing it this way? You know, like we, we sort of always, for me at least, um, um, in my own story, I just followed these scripts that I, I didn't realize I'd internalized, um, they have been handed to me, you know, through the church, through my own family, Um, Even through my own in terms of culture, um, growing up in a Korean diaspora um, in Colorado, it was just like, go to school, go to grad school, probably get a job, get married, have children, stay home. And so everything was kind of, I think, um, sort of falling away from me. And um at the time I I was in Bloomington, right? So barely even knew IU existed. <laughs> Only knew about IU, I think, because of the movie Hoosiers. And <laughs> I don't know if that's the best representative. It's a lovely movie, super, you know, nostalgic kind of um vibe to it. But I took a couple of gender studies courses. Um, and didn't realize that there was such an incredible history around um gender and sexuality in that department. Um, the Kinsey Institute is there. Um, so was was super excited about this this opportunity. And so what I was reading and learning and discussing with um within a queer community mostly really blew the doors wide open for me in terms of um, shifting how I saw things and giving me, uh, language to construct a different reality to articulate a different reality for myself i started um thinking a lot more about my own identity and about my own vocation and just being in the world and it felt like i think that darnell moore always um says this um he's also he's a you know an activist and writer um he something about queerness being magical and i love that that sort of formulation um, because you know, it's not just a sort of sentimental like, oh, queerness is just so wonderful and amazing, but that there is something almost otherworldly about the whole experience in terms of how it opens you up to um just a different possibility and way of being in this world. And so um, so I wrote the book as a kind of and I tell this I've talked about this before. And a couple of different places. Um, there was uh, at some at some point while I was I don't know if it was during my coursework. No, I guess it was way before my coursework. There was uh, through the Asian American Studies program at IU, they had um, this filmmaker named Andrew On come out. He's based out in LA, and he showed a couple of films. He also identifies as queer. And he basically shared about how creating these films um, became a way for him to come out um, to his community and especially to his parents. And I felt like that resonated so much with, um, with my own sort of processing and writing. And so this became, for me, a way of sorting things out and coming out in my own way. Um, although I guess, you know, coming out narratives, you know, don't always fit, you know, the sort of, uh, overarching kind of narratives that are out there about coming out don't always fit for people of color or women of color, especially, but it was just a way for me to sort of sort out. And so the, so the writing, you know, initially was like, I thought it was going to do something academic. And I had a really great editor who, um, one was just like nope that's not what we're looking for <laughs> first of all <laughs> and um, and then she was like basically it feels like you're hiding behind sort of the academic and intellectual um, and so it forced me to write and think really differently and that's that's what you know like that's that's what happened and that's how the book came to be but I also just I think I really needed you know yeah i just needed to tell myself a story and i needed to to tell my my own story not just really to the public but really to myself you know to kind of solidify sort of a like a commitment to um how i wanted to be in the world
1: yeah yeah and i love that that looking at queerness as magical in this place of magic in the ways that yeah i'm wondering If you experience this, I often experience this sense of like kind of liminality in the ways of being beyond binaries. And, you know, I I like to say that queerness is the way I tilt my head to look at the world. I'm wondering if you experience kind of the the magic in that in-betweenness that queerness provides. And right, there's not a lot of language to put to it because that can be said about so many different things about um, our work, about... Our bodies, about the ways we think about soccer practice, it's just amazing how how that magic can can touch in so many different ways, and yeah, I guess I also wonder if you experience that magic as also spirit in some way or or however you view um maybe that that sense of um the divine breath,
0: yeah, yeah, no, that's a great. Great. I mean, I think this is really the first time I've really spent some time verbalizing. I mean, like to give some space to like, what does it really mean to say that queerness is magic? Like for me, I think that there is something about the divine, the otherworldly, and not just something sort of ineffable, but something that is very imminent and human and flesh and blood. But that it also suggests, you know, like it's its own sort of category. Um, It's not you know, science and it's not, not totally religion. You know, it's not something that's um, sort of fits some of the logics and grammars that we use um, for other things. And I think, I think I love that because, um, you know, even some of the sort of more indigenous and shamanistic cultures um, from which my family come from uh, mostly on my dad's side, you know, to be able to read and, and hear more about the sort of rituals and, and um, kind of spirit possession and, um, and the way magic is sort of intertwined in a lot of um, uh, the indigenous sort of cultures in Korea, I feel like also super resonate because it's not just, you know, we're not talking doctrine or theology here, but it feels more real in a lot of ways. I think that that is a little bit what I was trying to do in the book too, you know, was to think about not just the spirituality of queerness, but that, that there was something really useful for me in my own faith and my own, again, um, just trying to move and be present in the world that that was queer. I think that I don't know what my faith would be today at this point if I hadn't embraced my own queerness when I did, I don't even remember when that was now, 2013 or 14 or 15, you know, and it's all those little moments too. There there wasn't anything like terribly earth shattering. And I haven't had any of the kinds of, I think, traumas that a lot of LGBTQ folks um, experience with coming out or becoming more fully themselves you know, but still super significant um, and still, again, really formative for, for me in terms of what I do and how I do things.
1: I love how in your book, when you write about queering aspects of our spirituality, you talk about hospitality, the body, intimacy, sacraments, relationships, and how queering these things can open us up onto seeing and experiencing more of the divine in each other. And I wonder for those listening, how you might define or explain what you mean by queering in those particular scenarios um, or by embracing our queerness when it comes to spirituality and faith. And, And one of the things that I love in this conversation is you keep bringing it back to your yourself, your life, your experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I think language is just such a funny I'm not like a linguist or anything and it takes me forever to you know I can sort of pick up here and there you know different the different ways that our our linguistic systems work and how they sort of overlap in in other ways and so like in my doctoral program you have to take like two foreign languages and one of them was um, I decided was Korean you know because I'd grown up speaking it a little bit but to take a language and to learn a language through the language that is maybe not your your mother tongue necessarily was also was a very strange and wonderful experience. But so I bring that up because, um, I like, you know, the possibility of how do we shape our reality, um, with the kind of, you know, language that we use. And so sometimes like the word queer feels very like sort of hard edge to me in terms of, um, if we're just saying a person is queer, or, you know, you use that as sort of like a, a marker of identity, but there's something about queerness and queer, queering, <laughs> which I, I think um, it feels, you know, to go back to the sort of um, the way that I uh, understand queerness and being queer. Um, it's playful, you know, to sort of play with the language a little bit and, and in playing with the language, I think it gives us again, another opportunity and another possibility of um, how it can be useful. And so I think for me, queering, you know, it puts it sort of outside of me as not just a tool, but like, um, as a, as again, as another friend, as another companion, as someone to engage. And so for things like spirituality, you know, understanding things like prayer and worship and liturgy for me, queering, I think it gives me another way in so that it's not just, you know, there's only sort of one way of doing prayer and one way of, of liturgy, um, or one way of, um, doing any kind of worship or any, anything that's sort of associated with faith and, and, and spirituality. And, you know, and I, I do remember like having conversations here and there with folks, I think that wanted to give it a different name. Like, isn't that just like feminism or isn't that just, (laughs) you know, um, you know, coming from, um, an immigrant immigrant culture, you know, coming from like an East Asian culture. And um, yeah, yeah. You know, I think that that's, that's another thing about queerness is that um, it might have a lot of different kinds of names. I think it's just one of those things that, you know, you can't really capture it. It's always going to be, it's always going to be in sort of excess of the sort of lines that you try to put around it. So for example, for, and I guess this is, this is more on my mind these days because um I'm serving as a pastor of a church. I think a lot more about worship and liturgy, you know, how can we make space for example, make space more for the experience of our bodies within worship um, and give language to that. And I know again, you know, like lots of different, you know, kinds of communities and different frameworks will come at it in the same sort of way. But for me, it was it's queerness that, that opens that up a lot more um, and invites me to include not just, you know, what's, what sort of content from um, my own growing up experience, you know, being a a Korean in the U.S., uh, a child, an immigrant um, and all that, you know, but to bring in all the, all those different aspects, all those different kinds of experiences um, into the worship space, um, I think makes it Super rich and super meaningful, um, and can open us up to see God and experience the you know the divine in in, in lots of different ways.
1: Yeah, I, I was reminded of uh, something from your book where you write queerness begins from the premise that bodies matter, and and what with what you just said, right? You just talked about queerness as another way in, and I love you know thinking about those two things side by side. You know, another way queerness is another way in, but kind of like from the ground of our being, you know, not not from just the head or just the heart or just the gut, but like the wholeness of self and the wholeness of self and our perpetual becoming. And I love the way that that also puts a picture of the divine as upon us, upon them in this in this ever becoming um states. So, um, yeah, and I wonder, right, this this kind of ever-moving becoming, this kind of um, perpetual evolution of self is often feared by so many people. I
0: think we're just, and I don't know if this is human or if this is U.S. American culture, <laughs> or just being, you know, super westernized and, and, you know, children of the enlightenment. We don't do well with ambiguity and um holding things in tension i think there's something about queerness that um you know is an invitation to it and a safe invitation like your whole world is not going to fall completely into the ocean if you hold this tension or this ambiguity it might actually be really fun it might actually be really exciting some of us may be um clutching our pearls but <laughs> others may um I don't know, see something really incredible there. And I want to know and hear from the people who, um, yeah, maybe are a little scared, but are, are open to um, feeling what they're feeling in that moment when they see something like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I continue to be, find inspiration from you know, our kids, you know, as cliche as that is right now, I'm also in that stage of life where, um, fully in like our twins are now 11 and they're in sixth grade and they're in middle school. And we have a nine-year-old as well. And he's in fourth grade, um, you know, and they're, they're starting to put themselves into boxes a little bit, you know, because they want to they want to be legible you know they want people to see them and understand them in a certain way but they still are super queer you know and i i think i talked about this a little bit that kids are are i think inherently queer i mean there's um you know the you know the patriarchy is definitely in the air <laughs> and and you know we would see that come out sometimes in terms of like you know they would couple off i remember like in preschool they would couple off like boy girl and i was i remember being so surprised because we were always so intentional i mean we have gay friends in our lives queer people in our lives there were just so many different representations of coupling off and it was still this like boy girl boy girl kind of thing and um you know we would talk about that um a little bit they were always open to those conversations like oh yeah that's right there's you know charlie and matthew they're married kind of thing (laughs) um but uh I mean just the way they carried themselves in the world. You know, one day they um are, you know, I don't know what they are actually. You know, they're they're soccer players. The next day they're like, you know, dressed up as the wildcrats or like jaguars or something. And it was just like all perfectly reasonable, you know. <laughs> there was no question about it. I definitely missed that and appreciate that and you know is there a way that we can incorporate that into our own spirituality not just like a flexibility you know but really literally being in the world and having it be okay that it's not completely intelligible and categorizable you know um you know for the sake of 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 some sort of governmental regulation (laughs) yeah i don't know just letting people be you know And so I hope, I'm hopeful, although it feels like the church makes it super difficult. I feel like the church can be and should be on its best days or better days or aspirational days, like the alternative space where we can enact that. It always feels like we're right on the edge, so close, because we already do so many weird and queer things. Like we eat Jesus's body like once a month, (laughs) you know, kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The weirdness of, of baptism and, I I love what you say about kids and it makes me think about just how like at first everything is novelty for kids. And I've found when I embark on novelty in my life, you know, with my partner, the way that just like awakens us to something, yeah, something of ourselves that just wasn't there before. And I'm reminded of one of my nephews when I lived next door to a couple of my nephews in LA for a period of time. Once I picked up one of them from preschool and we drove by the there's a statue of Santa Monica and we drove by the Santa Monica statue and I said, oh, you see that statue? That's Santa Monica. And my nephew, uh, who calls me TT like auntie, he said, no, TT, that's God. God's a girl. Don't you know that? And then a couple of weeks later, we drive by and I was just like, I want to see what he has to say today. And we drove by and I said, hey, you see that statue? That's Santa Monica, who this city's named after. And he said, no, Titi, that's Buddha. So yeah, just the way kids look at the world, you know, and if we did that with each other as adults, if we, you know, queered our conversations more, um, I just wonder if we would tap into, um, you know, more imagination, more problem solving that's, yeah, actually you know, grounded in, grounded in our beings, grounded in our bodies, centered on the fullness of who we are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. We're just so, we're so struck, you know, we're, we're, we're only struck, we're struck and we're stuck (laughs) by, you know, these procedures toward, you know, it's, it's like the microcosm of sort of these, bureaucracies, like we need to jump through hoops and we need to have certain things be permitted and approved and, you know, different ways of, um, you know, producing consciousness together, you know, yeah, that is God. And yeah, that is Buddha. And don't you know, (laughs) you know, that that is, that's playfulness and that's imagination. Um, I don't know, you know, speaking, speaking, speaking truth and reality in that moment um that's meaningful you know if we could only like you said see each other with that same sort of joy and possibility yeah I think we would understand each other a little bit more or maybe if we didn't even understand each other because we don't necessarily have to understand each other to love each other and to care for one another but yeah we wouldn't maybe be so violent towards one another
1: yeah and I think I think, right, that's not, that's not to say that queerness is antithetical to seriousness, because there's still a seriousness there, right? But,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's really good, too. There's a weight, you know, there's a weight to this work. Um, it's not just flights of fancy, you know, dress up with no sort of purpose or intention. Yeah, it's doing some kind of work in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes, yeah, we, we maybe can't wrap our our minds or our arms around it necessarily, but it's participating in some larger sort of collective existence right now. And yeah, maybe we can't package it and we can't necessarily analyze it, you know, but it's still something like you said, serious and really important.
1: Yeah. Do you see or experience in your own life any relationship between contemplation or contemplative life um, or even mysticism and queerness?
0: I mean, I think there's a lot of potential for overlap there. Um, I feel like I've probably at least seen like titles or snippets of things where, you know, people are thinking about that and talking about that sort of engaging more of the the mystical as queer and maybe there's some overlap around um you know mystical and magical that sort of phenomena in our reality where you you, you can't quite put language to it it's in that like you said earlier in that sort of liminal sort of in between that sort of different category different sphere um
1: i also think about what you've said related to the body and eroticism and mysticism um the way we you know sometimes sometimes erotic experience can be a mystical experience and yeah yeah maybe the queerness layered in that
0: I think that the thread through might be um once more our bodies and and being in the flesh and blood um as sort of that that space and the stuff um that leads us to, because if I think of contemplation as, um, as, as practices that root us in the divine, I think of queerness as, 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 as those practices that root us in our bodies. But I think of our bodies as, um, a space for, and what's necessary for contemplation, um, for connecting us more to the world and to the divine, you know, how do we make, um, how do we make space for a contemplation that's, that's deeply grounded in like, like you, I love your language of uh, grounded in our being um, and in our bodies. You know, I, I do think of like different sort of meditative, um, what, eh, like mindfulness kind of activities, right. That lead us to sort of begin with our bodies. I, I guess I just think of things like these various practices I've been a part of that make us sort of think of our bodies in terms of these pieces, you know, how do your feet feel? You know, you kind of travel up your your body in some ways, and i I love that, you know, but what would it be like to to even queer that process and that practice so that it's not, um, you know, can we approach can we approach our bodies in a different way? You know, could we begin from um, those areas that are more sensual. Yeah. I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it, so this is super fun. Um, appreciate that question.
1: I love um, thinking about the ways that we can queer mindfulness and contemplative life. And, and you also write in your book a lot about desire and uh, you wrote, queer intimacies are radical expressions of desire that open up traditional definitions and categories and they invite us into understanding our humanity in new ways. And it seems like often LGBTQIA plus lives are limited to sexual or asexual expressions. Um, but your book, right, points out the ways these queer intimacies that open us, open us up unto more aren't limited to sex or sexual or asexual experience. What do you think these queer intimacies can teach us about intimate and erotic expressions in everyday life, which maybe bring us closer to the divine, maybe bring us closer to um, our fellow humans,
0: yeah, I, I mean, I feel like in some ways the book it represents a totally different person, you know, in some ways, like I'm dealing with and 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 trying to um approach with some tenderness and compassion, um, a person that is very different from who I am right now in some ways. Um, but we're connected for sure. Um, but even thinking about, um, you know, the question you just asked, um, it's hard for me now to think about those questions around, um, queer intimacies and desire and, and those sort of connections outside of, structures of care and structures of 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 this sort of sense of of mutuality between people. And so I think for me um it wasn't just like you said that queerness opens up different sexual possibilities and relationships. I think for me realizing that I could have attraction to and desire for others one besides my husband which all of us have, you know, we have some sort of well, you know those who have sexual attraction towards others, you know, that's not going to be limited no matter what, you know, we, we, um, uh, whatever bounds we've put around our, our monogamous relationship that's, you know, been blessed by the institution of the church and by the state, um, for me, um, realizing the plurality, um, and sort of the multiplicity of the desires that are still present in my body and, embracing them and saying to them that I see them and, um, I hold them in my being, um, that having that and realizing that that is present in the world in so many relationships, um, and that there's been so much violence done to try to cut that off from people, you know, to try to sort of choke that out of people. I think that the embrace of them has taught me a different, I mean, not just about something about structures of, of kinship, but just um, how we can hold one another and be connected to one another, one another in a different way. And hopefully in a more meaningful and, and in, in kinder ways. I get a lot of pushback, I feel like, or I have gotten pushback from different groups of people about, um, because I think it's still that We want to put queerness in the sex box and we just don't understand how queerness can be claimed apart from sex and sexuality or gender. That makes me super sad at times. And sometimes I don't know how to respond to it because it's usually asked, you know, that question is sort of posed to me alongside of, are you in an open marriage? (laughs) You know, those sorts of, those sorts of questions, which now I've gotten used to. But, um, I shouldn't get used to because they're terrible, (laughs) just awful questions. But, um, I guess I would say, I wish I could go back to some of those moments and maybe try to have a little bit more compassion for folks who are asking that question because they're probably, maybe they're asking because I don't know, maybe something has been cut off in their own life. Um, imagination, um, possibility,
1: yeah you you have a lot of compassion um there there are many times when i when i feel like naming myself as queer or choosing that in in, you know particular situations is kind of my ambiguous response of i don't owe you an explanation um so queerness as a non-response in a way. I think sometimes I've historically used it as that. Yeah. People, people love, people love boxes. I and mean, we all do to some degree. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think it's just when, uh, and I do this too, and, and catch and myself doing it too. It's just that we, we don't let them choose their own boxes or allow them to come out of those boxes even with the kids, I feel like there are moments where I, 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 I'm I, like, okay, I have you figured out. This is what you like to eat. And this is what you want to wear. And then two weeks later, they don't.
1: And I'm angry. Because you went to Costco and bought all the boxes of the thing. Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. Gosh. I mean, if we maybe approach one another with the same kind of expectation of mystery you know that the that's inspired by the divine then maybe i wouldn't be so angry or <laughs> so frustrated by it all the time when it does happen because it's inevitable that that's going to happen because we are constantly
1: changing and as much as i experience my queerness sometimes as as uh you know i don't owe anyone an explanation i also see the ways Um, in which that part of me, um, understanding my queerness is also this part that keeps me tender and soft towards other people. I think a a lot of that is just, you know, in, at least for me in recognizing my own journey in accepting myself and knowing that everyone goes, is going through that in a way our whole lives. Right.
0: Yeah i like that a lot queerness to make us more tender yeah yeah i don't know if it's like i'm getting older and more tired but same sort of thing like i feel like i i don't have the bandwidth to explain all the things to people who don't get it you know and at the same time i do want to hold on to again to go back to kind of the beginning the sort of the magic of queerness and um And it's liberative kind of possibilities. And so I think of, you know, that's definitely like ethics and practices and all of that and justice, but that's just, um, yeah, I, because this was a, I think it was right when the book came out there, I did have one person really push back about not wanting queerness to be something that's easily assimilated. And I, I totally get that. Another tension, another tension to hold (laughs) is appreciating and making space for, um, all these different expressions of queerness and hopefully you know the growing acceptance of those different possibilities but to hold that with um the ways that it um upends you know those structures of oppression and marginalization so it's not just about identity and about sex and sexuality and who you're in relationship with but I think those bigger systems too, how we treat people um across the board, people who are incarcerated, people who are migrants and immigrants. And I think that's where I feel that's one of the ways I feel the most sort of awakened by queerness is just remembering that this is about human lives and human dignity and giving people a chance to live and to be.
1: Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat with me today and to, um, yeah, just explore all these things with me. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, appreciate your work too. And yeah, I'm just, I always feel really encouraged by these moments and these conversations, just knowing that there are people like you out there doing this incredible work. Um, it's just, yeah, super encouraging.
1: Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's episode. To support this work and get sneak peeks of new episodes, join me at patreon.com Cassidy Hall. You can also learn more about me and my work at cassidyhall.com. This podcast is created, produced, and edited by me, Cassidy Hall. Today's episode features the song Into the Deep by Daniele Musto. The podcast is created in partnership with The Christian Century, a progressive ecumenical magazine based in Chicago. You can find out more at christiancentury.org. The podcast is also created in partnership with Enfleshed, an organization focused on spiritual nourishment for collective liberation. For liturgical resources and tools, head over to enfleshed.com.